Hello, leaders, and welcome to Connections, the podcast. I'm Kelly Jordan, and this is where we sit down with some of our friends and talk about how God wants to use us to lead the women in our community to be better moms, wives, and children of God. And I am thrilled to be able to welcome our guest today, psychologist, life coach, and author, Dr. Jennifer Degler. She is passionate about helping people create healthy, successful relationships. And at women's events and marriage retreats across the country, Dr. Jennifer's frank, funny, and down-to-earth style keeps audiences laughing while they learn practical, life-changing information for improving emotional and spiritual health, relationships, and married sex. Um, I actually attended a marriage retreat that Jennifer hosted many years ago, (laughs) and we've had the privilege of hearing from her at MomCon as well. Welcome, Jennifer. Oh, thank you for having me, Kelly. I'm excited to get to speak to the Mops Moms. I love Mops Moms. I was a Mops Mom, so I have a soft place in my heart for for moms. Oh, I know. And so just so that our audience gets to know you a little better, um, you say that we won't find you in a coffee shop because you think coffee tastes like dirt. It does. It does. You know, I agree with you. uh, See, you and I, we are super tasters. Did you know know that's genetic? We have a genetic thing where we have more bitter taste buds. And it so must be tastes like dirt. I th- I agree. Now yes. another thing we have in common is that we both married our high school sweethearts. Um, yours is named Jeff, yes. and the two of you love to kayak and hike, and you are enjoying your empty nest there in Lexington, Kentucky. We are. We are. And we've recently uh, taken up golf. We were trying to do something here in the pandemic that you could do outside and still do. So we're having fun doing doing golf. Oh, fun! Good for you. Now, before we jump into our main topic for today, I want to tell our listeners about another topic that you're an expert in. You are the founder of Sea Wives, which is a ministry to help Christian wives make their sex lives sizzle with unique fun products, such as the Dare of the Month newsletter, the 324 Club, and the popular DVD, Fan the Flame. Your books include No More Christian Nice Girl and His and Hers Deck of Dares. 40 Dares to Ignite Romance and Passion in Your Marriage. You can find more from Jennifer at jenniferdegler.com. That's D-E-G-L-E-R. At the end of our podcast, I'm going to list all of Jennifer's resources, and I'm also going to put links to them in our show notes so you can get to them easily. But today, Jennifer, we're going to talk about understanding and managing worry and anxiety. We are dealing with so much uncertainty And we have so many voices that are feeding us information and opinions. So can you start us out by helping us understand how our brains process all of this worry and anxiety and information? I'm so glad you asked about the brain, Kelly, because when we get worried and we get hijacked by anxiety, we can begin to feel like I'm going crazy. I mean, I just can't make a decision and, and understanding actually what's happening in your brain can really help you feel more in control and understand when you're in a place to make a good decision and when you need to instead not make a decision, but instead work on calming your brain down. So can I just explain to you what's happening in your brain when you get hijacked by anxiety? Could I do that? Yes, please do. Okay. So, and there are, I have on my YouTube channel, 
I have videos that demonstrate this of me talking about this. So I know many of your listeners are listening to this, but if you would like to see a video of it, you can go to Jennifer Degler Ministries on YouTube and see a video of this. But I'd like you to imagine that your fist is your brain. So your arm is your spinal cord going up into your brain. And where your little finger is, that's the front of your brain. And your, your thumb is inside of your fist. So you've got this fist that's your brain. And if you look at the top of your fist, it's ripply because of your fingers, just like the top of your brain is ripply. That's your cortex. And right there where your pinky is, that's the front of your brain. So that's right behind your forehead. And that is your prefrontal cortex. And that's the manager in your brain, the executive in your brain. So that's where planning and organization and social judgment and impulse control, all of those things are there in that front part of your brain, that prefrontal cortex. And we need that to show up and be online if we're going to make really good decisions. But that part of your brain doesn't fully develop until you're 25 or even older, um, which is why you can be 20 years old and understand calculus, but you still think it's a good idea to drive with your feet on the steering wheel and your head out the sunroof. Um, that's because that prefrontal cortex that says, hey, that's, that's not such a great idea, you know, that has social judgment and, and planning and can kind of think ahead, that part of your brain isn't fully developed. So we want that part of our brain working when we're making decisions. And so if you peel back, and I've peeled back my four fingers, to show you the rest of your brain. So I've got my thumb running across my palm now. And from about your knuckles down, that's your midbrain. And then down here at the base of, of where your, your wrist comes into your palm, that would be your, your hindbrain. So that's breathing and digestion and heart rate, things that you don't even normally think about. So this thumb represents your limbic system. And that's the seat of emotion. And where the pad of your thumb is, that's your amygdala. That's your deep limbic system. It's sitting right on top of your brain stem. So it's really low in your brain. And this amygdala acts like a smoke detector in your brain. It's always scanning for danger. And right now, Kelly, we're living in a situation where there's so much uncertainty and so, much, so many things that can seem dangerous and things that are dangerous, like, like a virus. Right. And, or economic uncertainty or feeling dangerous like what am I going to what is our mops group going to look like next year and so this amygdala is scanning for danger all of the time and if it thinks something is dangerous it sends a message up to your hypothalamus which is kind of where your thumb your thumb bends and it says hey we're in danger you need to activate fight versus flight versus freeze and you may remember that from biology class that's that system that's there for emergencies. So if a bear were to burst in to your office right now, Kelly, you know, you would need to either fight the bear or run away from the bear, or if you couldn't get away, then you would just freeze up and play dead. And so that's a great system when you're in an emergency and it's quick. But what can happen is we start worrying, like we think, well, what if this happens? What if, what if nobody wants to come to online moms? What if, we have a Zoom call and only 10 women show up and half of them have to get off the call because their kids are crying. Um, you know, what if mops never, what if they never come back when we can finally meet in person again? So all these what ifs start and they activate that amygdala, even though 
you're okay right now. It's you're, you're actually just thinking about the future. But those what ifs activate that limbic system. And so your brain throws you into fight versus flight. Like there really is a bear in the room. And then what happens when that system gets activated is boom, and my fingers are flying up, you flip your lid. And so that part, that prefrontal cortex in your brain goes offline. And in that moment, when you're flipped out with worry, then the, all the planning, the organization, the ability to be real reality-based, um, the ability to delay impulse, all of those, that goes offline. And so at this point, we're really working with a brain that is just the mid-brain down, which is the brain of a dog, which is why we start barking at people when we get really <laughs> stressed out, when we flip out. It's because we flipped our lids and the part of our brain that would say to us things like, you know, you probably don't, you don't need to be worrying about that right now. Or really that hasn't even happened yet. Or you'll cross that bridge when you come to it. That part of your brain's gone offline. All we know is our body is in fight versus flight, which makes us feel like this really is an emergency. And we're not able to make really good decisions. And we're usually more irritable with people. And um, we, we have not as much impulse control and, and you feel that adrenaline in your system, the cortisol in your system, it's hard on your body, makes it hard to sleep, it can cause more pain in your body. And we have a lot of us walking around like that right now. Right. What we've been through, that, Kelly, is, is what our brains are like a lot of times now. Right. So what do we do about that? I mean, we, I think we've all been in that position at some point over the last few months, if we're not sitting in it right now, where we've kind of flipped our lid. And so how do we bring it back around so that all of the parts of our brain are working the way they're supposed to, and we can make decisions that are realistic and rational and calming rather than living in this really agitated state of I've got to fight or I've got to flee. Yes. So what do we do yes. about that? Well, first of all, Kelly, we have to get better at recognizing when we're getting triggered into flipping our lid. And, and Kelly, here's the thing. I'm good at telling when you're triggered. You're good at telling when I'm triggered, but we're not so good at detecting it in ourselves, right? So that you can tell the people that you live with, you're like, oh yeah, she's starting to flip her lid. He's starting to flip his lid. But it's very hard to detect that in your own in yourself. And so we can work on recognizing, okay, what happens with my body? Is my heart starting to race? Am I getting hot? Am I getting cold? Am I noticing that my thoughts are racing and they're saying, well, what if this and what if that? All of those are indicators. We're in fight versus flight versus freeze. And that's an indicator, okay, then I need to step back from decision-making. Because if I make a decision in fight versus flight versus freeze and I'm not really in an emergency, then a, a couple of things are gonna happen either I'm going to just want to run away from the decision-making. I'm going to want to flee. I'm going to keep putting it off, keep procrastinating. Or if, if I make myself stay there, I freeze up. And that's why, you know, I'm hearing from a lot of people like, I can't make a good decision. I'm afraid of making a bad decision. I'm just, and, and they need to understand it's not that you can't make a good decision. It's where your brain is at that moment. No decision will feel good until you calm your brain down, no matter what you decide. 
it's not going to feel right. It's not going to feel good. And so, or we may be fighting. Um, and a lot of times with anxiety, we're fighting it by going, I got to stop these thoughts. I got to quit worrying. I'm going to make myself crazy. And the more you tell yourself to not think about something, usually the more you think about it. Right. So what we can do is learn techniques to help calm that midbrain down. And those are usually body-centered techniques. We, we're not going to think our way out of this, Kelly. What we need to do instead are things like practice mindfulness or do some breathing techniques. Those are some things I go over as well um, on my videos that are, that are free on YouTube. Um, doing things like yoga, listening to maybe Christian praise music, things that are going to calm that brain down. They're going to pull us back into our body where we're okay. We, we, we're warm, we're fed, we're dry. We're okay in that present moment, even in the midst of a pandemic. We're okay in that exact moment. And that helps calm that midbrain down so that eventually this prefrontal cortex will come online. And Kelly, it's going to take a minimum of 20 minutes. Once you flip your lid, a minimum of 20 minutes doing relaxing things in order for that prefrontal cortex to come back online. And it may take longer than that, depending on how activated you got. But most people are like, all right, I'm going to breathe for a minute, and then I'm going to go right back to try and solve this problem. And that's just not long enough for your brain to recover. Well, all of that makes perfect sense now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just remembering that when you're in the moment. Yes. <laughs> so um, can you give us maybe some more tips for either um, recognizing our triggers or what to do once we realize we're in that? What are some management things that we can do to help us get to a point where we can make good, strong, healthy decisions? Well, I think it's important, Kelly, that we recognize, are we a person who's easily triggered? And, you know, to really look at what is your tolerance level for uncertainty? Because we all have a different tolerance level. Some people, it's like salsa. Some people only want it mild and some people can eat that habanero, you know, burn your mouth off and they don't think that's hot at all. Right. And so it's the same thing with, um, you know, how distressed, just normally in everyday life, how distressed do you find new, ambiguous, unpredictable situations? And so if you're the kind of person that you want to every year go to the same place for a vacation and rent the same house and go to the same restaurants, you just really love a plan and executing that plan and doing the same thing, then you may find that you are more easily triggered when things are unpredictable. Um, and if you're somebody that's just really open and you love it doesn't bother you. New situation. You love novelty. You love having to face a, a, a new challenge or a new taste, a new experience. Then you probably are maybe listening to this and saying, I don't know what's wrong with all these people. Right. You know? <laughs> but just understand your brain is in a different place, but you can build your tolerance for uncertainty by inviting uncertainty into your life. So, and, and that can feel really uncomfortable at first. That feels a little scary, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. And we've all had this huge thing of uncertainty dumped in our life with dealing with, with COVID. But you can just do small things to help yourself be less triggered by uncertainty. For example, with your phone, you can find the answer to any question you want, just like that. You're listening to a song, you don't remember the name of it, you can sound hound it. You don't know um, who was the president in 1875. You can say, Siri, who was the president in 1875? And she'll tell you. 
That is mine just tried to answer you. Dude, that's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> Be quiet, Siri. <laughs> but actually denying yourself that that certainty is really good for your brain. So when you say, you know what, I don't know the name of that song and I'm going to live with the uncertainty of that. I'm going to live with the discomfort of that. You are retraining your amygdala that it's okay to be uncertain. It's okay to live with not knowing. And it's like with our kids. Um, if you know 100% of the time, everywhere your kid is and everything they're doing, you have too much certainty in your life. You know, when, particularly as they get older, that's one thing if they're an infant. If they're an infant, you need to know where they are. Mm. But as your kids get older, there needs to be some uncertainty there where maybe they're playing in their room and you don't know exactly what they're doing. That's okay. That's actually good for your brain. So, you know, even as a MOPS uh, leader, if you're like, I just don't know exactly how this is going to play out and what this is going to look like, to say to yourself, and that's actually a good thing. That is a good thing. Um, it's also helpful to realize a lot of times when you are imagining these scary situations that are triggers for you, that you're imagining yourself not handling that future situation very well. When in fact, history would suggest you do just fine. And so it can help us to remind ourselves of when we coped in the past and that, yes, we, this happened to us and it was tough, but then we got through it. And so you tell yourself a different story. So you tell yourself a different story of what you're going to be like if that, if that thing you're afraid of, if it does happen, and you imagine yourself now in it, but you're handling it well. And so that helps calm the brain down as well when it wants to tell you scary stories, to tell it a new story. You take control of the narrative. And remembering that the Lord is with you in all of those stories. So many times we're worried because the, the situation we're imagining, we have left Jesus out of that picture. And when we bring him into that narrative, that, we're that scary what if that we're telling ourselves, when we bring him into that and we realize I'm not alone and Jesus was already there because he lives outside of time, then, then the brain goes, oh, that's all. That's good. That's good. I don't feel so alone. So those are two practical things you can do. Invite uncertainty into your life and get comfortable with it. And when you tell yourself those scary what if stories, to tell it differently and make yourself stronger and more resourceful and invite Jesus into that story too. We don't want to live in the land of what if, we want to live in the land of what is. And so that's why it can be helpful sometimes to like write down what your specific worries are. Many times what we'll do is we'll, we'll get this what if, and it'll be like, oh, you know, what if, what if they think I'm a bad mops leader and, and then nobody likes me? Oh, I don't want to think about that anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get on my phone and spend, you know, 30 minutes on Instagram. And then the worry comes back again. And it's like this vague feeling. It can be really helpful, Kelly, just write those, write the specific worry down. And then once you've written it down, it, you can, it, you can have more control over it. Um, and then it also helps sometimes to worry once and worry well. So that's a technique where it's like, okay, this, this, what if is within the realm of possibility. So this wouldn't apply to something like, you know, what if earth is invaded by Martians, you know, that's not going to work. 
But if it's like, well, what if, you know, in this, what if my husband loses his job in this economy? And to say, okay, all right, you know what, then I'm going to worry once and worry well. What if he does lose his job? What will I do next? And then once I do that, what will I do then? And once I do that, what will I do then? And so we actually go in and what we end up doing is actually coming up with a plan for what we will do if that unfolds. And that helps calm the brain down because then when the, the worry comes up, well, what if he loses his job? We're like, you know what? I have a plan and I will execute my plan. And at the end of that, we'll be okay because most of the time we, we do turn out okay. Okay. So, but that's another technique, write those specific worries down and worry once and worry well. I love that. We talked a couple of days ago and you mentioned that, mm -hmm. that idea to me, and I've thought about it so much over the last couple of days. And I have found that if I can write it down, if I can get it out of my brain and onto a piece of paper, I worry about it less. Isn't because, that funny? First of all, I know I won't forget it, but it also helps me write it down just because then it seems, you know, okay, I have a plan. I'm a planner. And so if I've thought through a plan, then it's easier for me to let go of the worry knowing, okay, if this does happen, I already know how I'll manage it. So right. I think that, that worry once and worry well is mm -hmm. a really strong tool for me personally. Well, and I love Kelly that you're put already putting that into practice and noticing like, how is this affecting like my body? Like this is, I'm, wow, this is interesting. Like I'm, I'm, I'm better and I can, I can let this go. And you know, you talked about writing it down that if our, it's like our amygdala doesn't want us to forget certain things that it thinks are dangerous. So if you write it down, then it's like, oh, she wrote it down. I don't have to keep nudging her. Because, you know, your, your amygdala can be like a little nag in your head. Don't forget about that because that could happen. Don't forget about that. But if you've written it down, so you're kind of working with your brain and then you're also, you're practicing acceptance, which is an important part of building resilience. And, and that is focusing on what you can control and then the saying, okay, th this is how, what I could control in this situation. Acceptance is an important part of managing anxiety long-term. Because if you do struggle with worry and anxiety, then you probably are a deeply empathetic, highly imaginative person. And you, your brain just thinks more thoughts than the average brain. So there you go. You always knew you were smarter than everybody else. You really are. And so that brain is going to just produce, all, it, it, you're never going to run out of ideas, which is great. But that means your brain is going to produce a lot of scary ideas too. And so we have to kind of accept, this is what my brain does. But every thought that comes into my brain is not as worthy of an hour of my time. You know, some of those thoughts, I need to just let them pass on by. Like, well, look, there's another thought. There's another thought. Otherwise, we can really get stuck in them. So it just accepting, okay, you know, I'm the kind of person that I do. I get a lot of worried thoughts. And when we can accept them, then we don't have to fight so much against them. It's, it's kind of like this Chinese finger trap. Remember these from when you were a kid? So, you know, the, when you put your fingers in there, the more you fight against it and trying to pull your fingers out, the more stuck you get. And that's what can happen, Kelly, with these worries where we're like, I gotta quit worrying about this. This is crazy. Stop, stop thinking about this. 
But if we can just accept, okay, you know, I've kind of gotten triggered today. Maybe I've been watching too much of the news. I've been kind of doom scrolling through my feed. Maybe I, I just kind of accept, okay, this is where I'm at today. And now I'm going to use some of my tools to get myself out of this worry spiral. And that's where, like, to get out of this um, Chinese finger trap, we're going to have to use our thumbs and actually kind of lean into it, accept it, and we get ourselves out. It's the same way with a worry spiral. Just accept, okay, I got hijacked by some worry. Now I'm just going to use some of my techniques. Maybe I'm going to worry once and worry well. Maybe I'm going to do some yoga. Maybe I'm going to do some breathing. Maybe I'm going to practice some mindfulness. Maybe I'm going to spend some time in prayer. I'm going to center myself. And then lo and behold, we're out of that worry spiral. What I love about those tips and the tools that you're talking about is that it brings back a little bit of control to us. We have some control over what we mm -hmm. do with mm -hmm. the thoughts that are going through our head. Mm -hmm. and I know that sometimes we need to seek help if we can't mm -hmm. manage it on our own. And I think seeking help from a counselor, a pastor, a mentor, yes. all of that is an important step. But that there are some things that we can do on our own to gain some of the control back that we feel like we've lost. Yes, yes. Thank you for pointing that out, Kelly. And did you notice that all of them had to do with using your body? Oh. Because when you're worried, you get out of your body and you're into the future. Well, your body is not in the future. Your body can only be in today. So what we have to do is use our body to pull our brain back into today. Because most of the time, we're okay in today. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, he's very specific in saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own. And so, you know, God created our bodies. He understood, okay, I'm giving you this fight versus flight versus freeze response because you're going to need it when you are in a true emergency. But if you worry, you're going to activate it and then it's, it's going to hurt you instead of help you. But you can use that body, that wonderful, beautiful body that God gave you to help bring your brain back into today, back into your body where you're okay. Things aren't perfect, but you're okay. It's, it takes a little work, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> it's, it takes some mental work. It definitely takes emotional work to deal mm -hmm. with. I feel like right now we're all dealing with the things that we were supposed to be doing yes. right now. Mm -hmm. And so we have to do the emotional work of working through the grief and the disappointment of those things that we've lost, that we were supposed to be doing and try and embrace the things that we are going to get to do. Yes. The supposed tos and how like with, with your mops leaders, like what mops was supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like a bunch of moms finally getting to eat a hot breakfast together in a church basement while their children are off having fun, being taken care of, and they're laughing and they're actually getting to sit at a table and connect with other moms. That's our supposed to. And yet what is, is that's not what it's going to look like in many, many places for mops groups. And so if we hang tightly onto that supposed to, then what will end up happening is that we, our hand is holding onto that supposed to so tightly that we can't open it up to receive what, what is, and that it's okay. 
you know, I mentioned that Jesus lives outside of time. And so he's already in tomorrow. He was not surprised by any of this. And so in God's plan, this is what MOPS is supposed to look like in 2020 and maybe into 2021. That we're like, oh, I had my supposed to, and I've got to yield that to God's, this is what, this is what God had planned. And that means it's going to be okay. Um, again, seeing that it, it visual, it can really help to imagine. I know it helps me, particularly if you are a person who's prone to anxiety. Again, you've got a good imagination in that person. So you can use that good imagination, even imagining yourself opening up your hand, letting go of those supposed tos, letting yourself feel the grief and the sadness and the loss. Uh, because that, that's okay. You can, it's good to feel those things. Mm-hmm. You can feel them, then they can, pro- you got to feel it to heal it. It can process on through. And then your hand is open to receive what God's plan was for what this is going to look like. And that because he's not surprised by it and his plan is to prosper, not to harm you, that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I, I think that whatever the fall looks like, it's going to be an adventure for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might very well be the best fall we've ever had, you know? Yes. So yeah. I think if we look at it that way, that helps us let go a little bit of what mm-hmm. we had wanted it to be. Yes. So, well, I, I thank you so much for talking with us today and, and I'm going to give our listeners some more information and then I want to come back and give you um, a chance to share one last thing with us. But I want to make sure that our listeners know that to hear more from Dr. Jennifer, you can check out her podcast, which is called Tip Talk with Dr. Jennifer Degler. Um, she has videos on sex, anxiety management, and Bible study on her Jennifer Degler Ministries YouTube channel. And she has articles and an online store at jenniferdegler.com. And she has a lot of free resources there for you. There's some audio downloads of this helping your stressed out brain chill out. And she's also got some videos um, along this same topic where she talks even more about what we started talking about today. It's a great video series on YouTube. And um, for you all that are MOPS leaders, uh, earlier in the year, I shared Jennifer's YouTube channel links with my MOPS group on our private Facebook page. And they'd watch it on their own and then we could talk about it later. So um, it's a great option for you as well. And then she also has her free dare of the month that will make your marriage sizzle. Um, all of that you can find at jenniferdegler.com. So Jennifer, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? I just want to leave them with this last thought. It, the very first thing that God said was not good after he created the world um, is he looked at man and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And in fact, separation anxiety causes panic in the brain. And so the social isolation that we've all been experiencing, it it does heighten anxiety and make our brains more prone to feel anxious and worried. So I want to leave your leaders with this thought, no matter how many women come on those calls, um, if you're doing mops online, you are really helping those women because God said it is not good for a mops mom to be alone. And so whether 10 women or 50 women or however, and whatever that call looks like, whatever your MOPS meetings look like, just understand you are doing God's work. You are helping moms of preschoolers not feel.
feel alone and that is good for their brain. And a mom that has a healthy brain in a good space is going to be such a better mom, such a better wife, such a better woman, such a better Christian. And so you are doing important work. And so I just want to encourage you to um, persist in what you're doing, to persevere. And I do believe that God rewards the faithfulness of his people. And so be faithful. And if you are feeling frozen, like I can't make a decision, then go take 20 minutes to calm your brain down and then maybe come back to the decision. And you'll find that whatever decision you make, God can help you make that a good decision. You'll figure it out. You really will. You and Jesus, you'll figure it out. Thank you so much. Let me ask you this, leader. In this new year at MOPS, with our Decide to Rise theme, are you prepared to pursue the thing that God is calling you to, trusting that He will take care of the rest? This is your year to embrace the truth that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, to arise as a mother and leader, and to make the brave decision to be strong, do your work, and chase joy. So together, may we all courageously decide to rise.